0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Throwback Books Deck. I am one of your hosts, Kelly.
1: And I am Emily.
0: And if this is your first time joining us, this is a podcast where we reread the books that we loved as kids, or at least mildly liked as kids, and we look at them as adults and decide if we still like them, if we now hate them, if we can horribly judge each other's taste as children. So this week we are going to be reading. Nancy Farmer's The Ear, the Eye, and the Arm. And this was published in, this is a little bit later than some of our others. This was published in 1994. And it is a Newbery Honor book. And this was one you'd read as a kid. I had never read this book. I'd never heard of this book. I loved this book.
1: (laughs) I owned it. I loved it. Growing up in the Midwest, this book to me was like, I mean, it is set in the future, but it's also just set in Zimbabwe. And it was just, like, a world I didn't have access to, and I loved it. Like, I loved going into that world and just being like, this is what things are like here in this future city on another continent that it was just so different from where I lived. Mm -hmm. I loved it.
0: Yeah, it's set in the year 2194 and in Zimbabwe. So it's this amazing, like, future, future piece. But normally what we do is we give a summary of the book beforehand, but I think we're doing something a little bit different this week.
1: Yes, so I have a book report I wrote on this book. We had to... I'm judging from the um, the colorful cover of this book report that we were told to do a book report on a book that had won a John Newbery medal. I can't remember for sure, but I think... If the rest of my life is any indicator, I had probably already read this book and decided to do a book report on it rather than reading it because I needed a book for a book report.
0: That's what I was wondering if this was your first introduction to it. If you're like, oh, I have to write a report. I'm just going to pull one off my shelf.
1: I was always a big reader. So I usually, if we were allowed free reign, would just pick a book I'd already read.
0: Yeah, I did that a lot too. But
1: I mean, it's possible that I did buy this as an excuse to make my mom and dad buy me a new book (laughs) like oh no i need one that's won a medal and i don't have any it's for school so this like format of book report is a giant cutout of the john newberry medal which i had to color in and you can almost see my disinterest i got in trouble a lot for (laughs) how i colored things in in school because i didn't care but I did kind of color in the lines, which was a big thing I got in trouble for. Cause I just be like, I don't care. I'm just scrawling anywhere.
0: Ah, uh, yes. As the art critique of this, <laughs> I shall look at the cover and yes, you can see the, the orange of disinterest if you look at the left.
1: Yeah. I also got in trouble for not underlining it and for, and this is controversial.
0: I have not feelings.
1: capitalizing all the letters in the title.
0: Except your teacher was fine with the lowercase a and an but seemed to indicate the second two thes should have capital t's and I disagree with that. They're lowercase t's. I think you were correct on that. Although the fact that you didn't capitalize the e and i and the a and arm that did need correction. I did
1: capitalize the e and ear though. I don't know guys.
0: Yeah (laughs) I feel like you you capitalized the first two words and then got bored and watered off the capitalization train.
1: Yeah I obviously got bored with this cover.
0: I'm posting a picture of this on Twitter because it's delightful.
1: Feel free to chime in on the proper capitalization. (laughs) I really do want to know. Anyway, I'm going to read this book report and see if it does an accurate summary. I'm also going to tell you that, spoiler alert, I got a 48 out of 50 on this book report. So my teacher, who I'm pretty sure did not read this book... (laughs) Thought I did an okay job summarizing it.
0: So everyone should set their expectations very (laughs) high for this report, is what you're saying. (laughs) And do you know how old you were when you wrote this?
1: I think I was in fourth grade. Okay. I cannot say for sure, but so I was probably around 10 years old.
0: So you were older than Marshall in the Egypt game, and you were older than Charles Wallace in A Wrinkle in Time.
1: Yes, definitely. So I should
0: expect very high things from this. Yeah,
1: because I'm definitely as smart and precocious as they were. Okay. In Zimbabwe in 2194, General Matsika lives with his wife and three kids, Tendai, Rita, and Kuda. They live in a big house with robots and electronic birds and stuff. (laughs) The only other person who lives with them is the mellower. In the morning, he sings praise to them, and the rest of the day he stays with the kids because they can't go to school because someone might hurt them to get back at their dad. One day, the mellower convinces their parents to let them go on a trip to get scout badges on the way they get kidnapped. When the kidnappers learn they are General Matsika's kids, they give them to the she-elephant, who makes them work in the mines digging for plastic to sell to museums and antique people. Meanwhile, the kid's mother calls three detectives, the eye, the ear, and the arm. They were born deformed by radioactivity. The eye can see really well, and the ear has has extra big ears and can hear really good, and the arm has long arms and psychic abilities. But they are always one step behind the kids like when they find she elephant they have already escaped and gone to rest haven a place where people act like they would hundreds of years ago they run away from there too but accidentally make someone be accused of witchcraft but eye ear and arm clear that up then they get chicken pox and then go to the mellor's mother's house where they recover and she treats them like slaves but she elephant recaptures them hours before the detectives get there. She sells them to a gang called the Mask, who want to kill them for getting back, or to kill them to get back at General Matsika for capturing a lot of their members. So they take them to a building and are getting ready to. But in another level of the building, eye, ear, and arm are talking when arm gets Mahandoro, the spirit of the land, in him. Mahandoro takes over Arm and tells him what to do. Arm saves the kid to almost get killed. He is saved by Tende, who also gets Mahandoro in him. Mahandoro tells him what to do and he saves Arm. Then their parents come in and everything ends up fine. They even get to go to school and stuff. That's the end of my summary. I have another part where I talk about what I think about the book, but we can save that. Hey, that
0: was a really good summary, actually. Like, that- Left some things out. But overall, that's kind of the structure of the book.
1: Yeah, it left out a bunch of key points, but this book is also has a lot going on. So it is very hard to summarize in the amount of space and sheets of paper I was given. There are
0: not many sheets of paper, but I'm also excited by the fact that this is probably the most accurate account we have of what we thought of a book as a kid is the next half of this paper.
1: I'm shocked that I was able to get away with writing and stuff twice and she was okay with it.
0: (laughs) You were in fourth grade. Still. They did have a lot of stuff in their house.
1: Yeah, so it basically, as I said, is in the future, there's this general with three kids, and he's a little overprotective. They're not allowed to go to school or really go out much at all.
0: We do learn that there is good reason for this, though. Yes. (laughs) As we learn when they are immediately kidnapped the first time (laughs) they leave the
1: house. The mellower, I did not explain very well in the book report, uses kind of basically like hypnosis every morning. It's like a a fad trend that a lot of rich people do in this time and place. It's kind
0: of like trance storytelling, where you're basically... Praise is given to them and told sort of in a in a, in a very, like, rhythmic, like, format where it basically, yeah, puts them all into this weird trance where they don't remember what happens during it, but they come out feeling good.
1: Yeah, and so that's how he uses that. The kids convince him to, like, use that ability to get the parents to agree to let them leave. Then they are immediately kidnapped, and yeah, they're sold to first, like, a sketchy... Civilization of people who don't fit into society and live like in this giant landfill and like dig for plastic that they can sell to collectors. Like they
0: find like old plastic toys or things from the the sort of Mm -hmm. sediment and layers of this landfill.
1: And I didn't think I explained, so in case you were confused, she elephant is a woman. That's her name. (laughs) Yeah. She is not an actual elephant. I don't think I ever said that in the book report. Yeah. But, um, and she's kind of in charge of the whole thing. And she used to be in prison and kind of got out, and this is, like, her her people now.
0: I'm also just going to apologize for the fact that, uh, I don't know if I'll be able to edit this out, but my neighbor is basically building a new backyard right now, and it's super cool for us recording this podcast.
1: <laughs> so they escape there, and then they run away and accidentally get into this place called Rest Haven, which I kind of alluded to, but it's basically... This area in Zimbabwe that I feel like she maybe says is based off a real place where it's like land that's kind of sectioned off and these people don't have any contact with the outside world and they've all chosen or been born in to live there and live as their ancestors used to hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So there's no like modern technology and they're trying to keep all the like customs alive and stuff like that. The kids end up in there where tendai kind of loves it (laughs) like it was really getting into it and rita the girl is kind of like this is bullshit. but then it all goes to hell when like the one girl that they've made kind of friends with there who actually used to be a part of the outside world and was like having trouble herself and like getting caught up in gangs and not fitting in and was given the choice to either go to rest haven for the rest of her life or go to prison so she knows what the outside world is like and loves being at Rest Haven. it should be said. Anyway, they get into a situation and again, it's complicated, there's a lot of things that happen, but it basically, like, people are accused of witchcraft and there's a whole trial and they end up having to like kind of flee slash get thrown out of Rest Haven, <laughs> And that's when they end up going to the only address they can think of to get to, because they're all by this point feeling a little sick, which yeah, it turns out they have chicken pox, in this futuristic world like is a very rare disease that no one gets anymore. Um, and they managed to somehow make it to the mellower mother's house.
0: Yeah, they'd seen her address on letters to the yeah. mellower in their house before, and since they never left home really much before, this was one of the few addresses they remembered in places they knew.
1: Yeah, so they get to her house where she, like, nursing them back to health is is a strong way of putting it's a generous it. But she lets them recover at their house and then is kind of like a little more sketchy than they realized and is definitely not telling their parents that they're there and like using them as free labor and <laughs> she's not great guys. No.
0: And then she's basically holding them for ransom. Yeah and then yeah, and basically torturing them while they're there.
1: The general's been kinda of keeping it a little on the DL that they're missing so as not to make the situation worse. And she's basically telling the mellower to try and, like, convince the general to offer a huge reward for the kids. So while they're at her house, they literally... (laughs) The she-elephant just appears and kidnaps them again. And that's when we get into the world of the masks. And the masks are terrifying.
0: They are so freaky.
1: Holy shit. So they're not just, like, a gang. They're, like, a... like a secret organization of like powerful rich dudes mostly who also have some so in this world like magic is real basically
0: and you can for instance get the powers of your ancestors or sometimes like there are nidora, which are basically like amulets or something that an ancestor can leave sort of their spirit in to find someone in a future generation who they can give sort of their talents to or abilities or powers or skills to or assist with information.
1: So the mask kind of like... I don't know was worship the right word here. They want to pay tribute to the... Seek
0: to empower.
1: Yeah, this very powerful spirit who is bad news. Like, he is terrifying and nothing good and basically they want to like not only kill the kids but like torture them and offer up the pain to the spirit and they specifically want the kids because it's the general's kids and they know that they're brave and will like last longer and like it is it is icky and scary and terrifying <laughs>
0: yeah it's there's it, yeah they do human sacrifice to this to this god
1: Yeah. What's really scary about it to me is that, like, it's not in the middle- they've been in all these places that were, like, you know, a landfill on the edge of the city, like, out in this wilderness with this closed-off society and stuff, and the real evil happens in the center of the city, in a, like, tall building that's, like, only a floor or two up from a fancy restaurant they used to go to all the time. Like, one of the few places they were allowed to leave and go to with their parents. And they- show up you know all the powerful men just like in their cars in their business suits going up to their fancy meeting on the fancy floor and that like that dichotomy i think really got to me even at an early age and scared me of like they're not always just running around in their masks looking like scary they Mm -hmm. just look like normal people and the masks themselves also like give them powers and stuff they knock one off of a guy and he kind of loses all his they're like it's gone he's no Mm -hmm. good anymore he's not worth anything to us so that was some very, like, vivid imagery stuff. Meanwhile, concurrent to that, we also have the whole sideline of these three detectives who are, like, barely scraping by with their detective agency. You know, they've been using their special abilities. There's, like, a weird plotline I forgot about when I was a kid where the arm, the one with the psychic abilities, uh, has to, when they sneak into Rest Haven to try and find the kids and are, like, literally hours
0: away from... Like, they just missed them, basically. They're constantly just behind the kids. They're kind of going to everywhere the kids have been, like, right behind them.
1: Yeah. They rescue a baby from there. Mm-hmm. And then the arm kind of bonds with her. And there's, like, a whole plot line about this baby that I kind of, like, had really forgotten about. Um, but they're doing their own thing. And they're also, like... It's a little unfortunate because their segments are almost in some ways more interesting. Like, it was interesting to me to reread them and see how they were living their lives. And on one hand, you have, like, these super rich kids that are having this adventure for the first time. And parts of it are terrifying and terrible. Versus these three guys who have, like, grown up poor and deformed. And are just trying to use their skills to scrape by on, like, a totally different side of things. Anyway, so they all finally meet up in this building. Um, The kid's mom also happens to be there at the restaurant and kind of everything collides in this like huge fantastic scene where you see like the Mohandoro, the spirit of the land, trying to help There's, like, a whole thing about these necklaces that I didn't get into,
0: (laughs) the spirit can inhabit the
1: necklace.
0: Basically, yeah, when they're working in the plastic mines way earlier, Tendai finds Endora, which is one of these necklaces that holds an ancestral spirit, and it sort of helps him along the way, and people see him as someone that may be connected to the spirits, and therefore it gains him a little more access to places in, like, Resthaven, where he, you know, this is kind of, the fact that he was chosen by Endora was considered a respected thing.
1: Yeah. There's, like, a part where the arm has to scale the side of the building to kick in a window, and it's, like, a skyscraper. This is not just, like, a six-story building. This is, like, the Empire State (laughs) Building. There's, like, the mom rallying all the waiters and bored, rich patrons at the restaurant to kind of come and help stage a rescue attempt when she learns her children are up there. There's a giant fight where everything goes to shit,
0: and just, like,
1: (laughs) people are just going at it. Like, it's actually a really fun scene after, especially after, like, three chapters of The Mask and how, like, genuinely terrifying they are that it, like, livens it up. And then, basically, it ends with they... You know, manage to, with the help of the spirits and all the people, break the masks, kind of end the society. The real cops show up and arrest all of them. You know, the kids go back and their lives are changed. They're allowed a little more leeway in the world because one of the things that terrified the general when they were first kidnapped is the fact that they were just so naive. Like, they didn't know how to do anything. I mean, they didn't even know how to get home. hmm Like... And so they're allowed a little bit more and there's like an epilogue about what happens to the kids and stuff. They grow up fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's about it. I think that
0: pretty much covers everything. I think this might be a good time to read what you as a kid thought of this.
1: Okay, so here are my thoughts after I wrote my summary.
0: Here is fourth grade Emily's feelings. Those 48 out of 50 feelings.
1: <laughs> this book is pretty good. I like some of the things in it. I, like, you can tell at this point I'm now trying to take up room. I also am writing way bigger on my feelings part than the summary part. I feel like this was a, like, write this many things about the summary and write this many things what you thought yeah. type of deal. I like some of the things in it. I like the way she makes up inventions that she thinks will be around in the future, like the holophone and the hollow vision. They are like the telephone and the television only you see a hologram of the person you're talking to on the holophone and on the holovision you can put on equipment so that it will seem like you are actually there. And I like a lot of the things we use are now illegal or dangerous. Like no one will take the subway unless they're stupid or really tough. But some things are hard to understand because she uses African words sometimes. And some things are weird. Like blue monkeys are illegal and you have to feed robots. And if you... (laughs) use a hover car you can't just park it anywhere it has to go on a landing pad but it was a pretty good book overall <laughs> I like that the hover
0: car concerned you so much
1: yeah I didn't understand that which makes sense to me now yeah I also think that some of this was just like I hadn't spent much time in cities that use like the public transit and stuff because mm-hmm. I don't actually think she was saying that the subways were scary I think no. she was saying they were scary to these rich yeah, kids Yeah, and who that had they had
0: no idea how to use them with the with the problem.
1: And I actually don't think she uses that many African words, as I put it. I think I just sometimes getting confused with some of the, like, spirit stuff. Yeah,
0: I think especially just because, like, the times when it does come up are really big plot points, like sort of the Nidoro necklace he picks up, which I'm probably mispronouncing horribly right now, so I'm just going to apologize for that. I tried to find the pronunciations for it and did not succeed. And the Mohandoro, which I've also again failed at finding pronunciation, so I'm trying. Um, but that as well, because those were such big plot points. Yeah. So I imagine that you were hitting these words as a kid at like the big action points.
1: I also think it's funny that I kept saying it was pretty good because I definitely reread this a lot. Yeah. So
0: You just didn't know how to express joy as a child.
1: Yeah, I guess. I guess I just one of those you things. You couldn't write like,
0: this book is dope.
1: <laughs> right. But I mean, I did really love it because I read it over and over.
0: I'd never heard this book. I've never seen this book. And I regret that fact because this book is amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's super fun. It's packed. Like the world is just so rich. Like there's so many details. So much happens. That's the
0: only reason I think I might have struggled with this as a kid is because it's basically covering like three different genres of book and has about five different plot lines. So I think the only reason I might have had problems with it as a kid is just trying to figure out what to follow in it because it's so rich and there's so much going on that I feel like reading it as an adult was pretty great because I was able to like appreciate all the things it's doing.
1: Yeah. It almost didn't feel like a kid's book to me. No, not
0: at all. I was really surprised when I was reading it. I'm like, wait, Wikipedia says it's a children's book.
1: Yeah. I mean, it has children in it, but like, and a lot of the things they go, like the Rest Haven stuff is real dark at times and really complicated of like, there's like talk of like, is this place a good place? You know, Mm -hmm. like, is this good? Because some of the, from the modern eye, you know, like Rita, the girl, gets really mad at some of the traditions that she feels as like being sexist. And it's like...
0: Well, and she does have good reason for it. At one point, she's basically, she comes out and Tendai realizes she's in pain because she has all these burns all over her. Because she took a couple pieces of food off his plate because she was really hungry. And the response to that was because she was stealing from a man, was to basically put peanuts in the fire and set them on fire and then burn her with them.
1: Sure. And it's like, yeah, that does seem horrific. But then they have a long talk with her, the woman who's from the outside, who's mm-hmm. kind of like, you can't pick and choose what parts of these tradition and cultures you want to keep. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to either take it all or nothing. Like, do we want to keep these traditions and these stories and this way of life alive or not? And some of the ways it treats, like, the poverty and the people who live on the outskirts. Mm-hmm you know, the bad guys being like businessmen and stuff. There's like a lot going on. And there's a lot of like, complicated stuff in it for kids.
0: Yeah. And especially the sort of I think especially a lot of the things having to do with the combination of, you know, what do you do about a changing culture? I mean, that's one of the big concerns when they first come to Rest Haven is you'll bring your contamination with you, you'll bring they're like, Oh, no, we're clean. You know, we just you know, we can just clean up in here. And they're like, but you know, you have this memory of, you know, these public transit and technology and all of these different concerns of the outside world that we don't deal with here and don't want to have that sort of level of, you know, technology. And one reason that everyone leaves this place alone is it's really, it's considered the heart of Africa and it's very important to everyone that there is a place that these traditions are maintained and everyone finds it's sort of a sacred kind of place that no one's going to go in and interfere with them being isolated because it's important that even if the people outside... Don't follow these ways. To them, it's important that someone somewhere is maintaining this this tradition and this history.
1: Yeah, it goes for a lot, and also like the whole like the kids are the more adventure, and like it's weird because this book overall is fun. It yeah, was fun adventure, but it's weird because it's like there's not many like light-hearted scenes <laughs> like in some way like the fight at the end really is one of the most like light-hearted fun scenes
0: they're There's, you know they're trapped like they're constantly trapped by people where they're like having a dig in plastic mines and then yeah. like a kudo uh, when sick is like locked in a tiny windowless room and basically in a cage and like
1: the kids keep dark. having to talk each other up and be like it's an adventure think of how many badges you're winning because they're like it's not
0: fun a lot of the time. What I couldn't figure out was how long did this take place over?
1: I think they say at one point. I think because it was like, definitely- a couple weeks. Yeah. Because
0: like they, they get to the point where they're actively, like, forgetting their family and having to remind themselves of their parents pretty well, early on, even.
1: Well, also, the, the one kid is really young and mm-hmm. actually acts his age. Like, he's not supernaturally smart or acts older. He's we like, finally
0: got a normal child in one of our books.
1: Yeah. We did it, guys. <laughs>
0: We've been waiting so long. Um, there's a younger brother who acts like a younger brother.
1: Yeah. I think they definitely say it takes place over a few weeks. Like, yeah, cause, like, it's like they're wild. in the
0: mines as it is for a bunch of days. Well, and then they're with the Mellower's mother for a bunch of days. So like there's, yeah, there's at least a couple weeks in there.
1: They also point out at the end that like the mom can see that the kids have physically grown and mm-hmm. stuff too. So...
0: Yeah, because they're getting to the point where it's almost Tendai's birthday. So, like, there's definitely a, a notable passage of time. And it was actually interesting to me that it does end up being named after the detective firm just because there's, there's so much of the book where they're just not a major factor. I don't know what else you would name this book, mind you, but it just seemed, did seem strange that this was sort of... When I came in, I assumed, you know, the fact that we didn't meet them for so long, I was like, what is this book named after?
1: <laughs> but they were interesting, and they were my favorite parts. And even when I was a kid, like, I really liked their, like, I almost would have liked, like, a sequel or something just <laughs> about more of, like, their weird detective agency.
0: They were born near where there was, like, a nuclear reactor spill where there's basically plutonium in the water. And so as a result, they, they were born um, mutated. And so, like, people are scared of them, but they have, like, and it's portrayed as sort of this mixed blessing that people, on one hand, they are mutated in a way that people are, you know, terrified of them, but on the other hand... They have these amazing powers that they use to, you know, achieve these things as a detective agency.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I liked them. I liked they were them. also They're a little so more. Great. Even though they were the ones who were, like, struggling to get by and stuff. They're so like,
0: low-key and chill. Yeah,
1: and they were a little more of the fun part. Yeah, like... they
0: were definitely, like, the, the the comic relief in a lot of ways. Like, their their sort of comments on things were just funny. Like, not, like, joke funny, but just they sort of had, like, a bit of humor to, they added a bit of humor to things.
1: Um, I will also say that on The Mellower... Mm -hmm. Who, like, stays with the family the whole time. They find out about his involvement with his mom and stuff. But, like, he's basically, like, a huge baby. Like, he's, like, a man-child who just, like, can't do anything and lets people walk all over him. And was like, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And, like, as a child reading this book, I remember hating him and being, like, they should get rid of him. Like, they should not keep hiring him. Which I still kind of feel is true. But... I will say that now that I'm adult, I still don't like him, but I definitely know people like him. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, oh, this is familiar.
0: Like, I have a level of compassion for him as an adult human reading this.
1: Yeah. I still think they maybe should have fired him.
0: (laughs) Well, he's very good, though. I mean, that's one thing the kids point out when they hear other mellowers is they're like, well, they're not as good as our mellower. They are kids, so they have a different point of view, but like, you can't argue that, when you look at the mellower's job of putting people in trances to, like, get to this weird state, he is very good at what he does. Yeah. Yeah, this book is wild. This book has so much going on, and sort of, in the interest of disclosure, we actually read this originally at the beginning of February, right before Black Panther. So this was, like, a very great sort of, like, lead-in to, uh, probably the best Marvel movie. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be real. Deaf. Of, like, here's some more delightful, like, here's some literary Afrofuturism to start out our, our, our day with is, like, this future Zimbabwe. And we're just like, I'm like, oh, this is such, like, a good... So if you're, like, feeling those post-Black Panther blues, because this is going to release in April?
1: Yeah, it might be out of theaters by then. It I meant this podcast
0: we're putting out in April. Oh, yeah, I was trying to think I about. assume <laughs> Black Panther will still probably actually be in theaters, because why would you take it out? But yeah, so, like, just read this book. <laughs> read this book. Yeah,
1: it was good. I'm trying to, like, all my notes and stuff are mostly just, like, plot points or, like, yeah. things about their world that are... Well, it's so, it's, you know, like, so I much feel like world... I've read
0: so many, you know, future Europe and future U.S.s Like, I you just don't have future Zimbabwe as a book, and it was so, so wonderful, and I really love just how rich this book was in terms of the plot and how much was going on because sometimes when you try to put this many things into a book it ends up being a mess but here everything wove together in a really great way and like everything led into everything because the masks were a threat from very early on and you sort of kept hearing about them and kept hearing about them and sometimes when you have that background threat the whole book when they actually appear it's a it's a letdown they're not as threatening as it seemed but no the masks were absolutely as threatening as they were let up to be they were more terrifying the payoff was fantastic.
1: And they start out early. I'm trying to find the quote but they have a quote about the mass yeah, pretty early on in the book. Where like, I think the blue
0: about, monkey might be the first time.
1: Yeah, there's like a genetically altered monkey who's blue. That yeah. was the blue monkey. He's one of the reasons they're first kidnapped. He's also very smart. He's like a human. He's kind of like I have no clue what he's like. He's a blue monkey with the intelligence of a human who works for a crime syndicate. So (laughs) um, that's the kind of book this is. (laughs) This is talking early on about the masks and how, why they're still like kind of at large. And it says, one of the reasons the masks were so difficult to trace was because their motives were unclear. They weren't interested in drugs. They stole for sport rather than greed. They might kill a dozen men and leave their wallets piled insultingly on top. When they did steal, none of the loot ever showed up on the black market. It simply vanished. Father said they wanted power, and the easiest way you to feel you had power over someone was to terrify them. Like, and that's so, like, early on, they're warning you about these guys, where it's like, they aren't just, like, a gang. They don't have a goal. Like, they're not after a thing, and you could barter.
0: Mm-hmm. They're just this looming sort of background threat that's beca- they're so mysterious because right. of it, because they're not after a specific goal.
1: Yeah, where it's like they really are just evil. Like, it says, sums it up in there. It's like the thing they want is power, and the way they get it is by terrifying people. Mm-hmm. Like, that part about, like, literally, like, we'll murder people and just throw their wallets on them. We don't care about the money. We have it. They are a genuinely scary villain. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons it's so crazy that, like, with all this lead-up and making them scarier and scarier, that she manages to make an end sequence that is just, it's so good. And it switches point of view, but it still is like, I can follow it? Like, and it switches point of view between, like, four people at least. Things are happening, but it's, like, crazy and hectic and fun and...
0: <sighs> and we see both, sort of, the arm tapped as, like, a savior for everyone, and then we also see Tendai also sort of tapped by the by the spirits as, like, a hero here, and it's like sort of those two groups of characters of the kids and the agency are both are really brought together in the same way as to defeat this group. And it's just, it's so good. Although now I'm also like, oh man, in these modern times, I'm really glad we waited till the year 2018 to read this book about powerful rich men and their society that murdering everyone. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, my anxiety wasn't bad enough beforehand.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually think this had a lasting impression on me and masks. Because I go to museums a lot, and it's, like, one of my favorite things. It's always what I search out, is so I'm like, let's go to the, like, like oceanic wing that always has a lot of cool masks, and, like, the African wing, Australian. I'm really into them now. I always like to see them.
0: That's, that's awesome. So. Did, you, did you, really... you ever, like, do mask making as a kid, or?
1: No, I wasn't interested in making them. I just wanted to look at the cool ones that people got, <laughs>
0: like. You ever had to sit there and have people put plaster on your face? No. Oh. Did you? Yeah. No. I always ended up doing projects for class as a kid that involved somehow having a mask made, and often a mask made of all of us.
1: I don't know what kind of weird-ass school you went to, but...
0: We <laughs> <laughs> still a lot of stuff with making masks. Well, these aren't know. even
1: the ones that are like really fitted to your face, though. Like, yeah, the big... I know, yeah. But
0: just... I did a lot of mask making as a kid. I don't know. I don't think it's I've ever bad had
1: one. I also do not like wearing masks. So.
0: Yeah, it's uncomfortable.
1: I don't think I ever have. Not even for a Halloween costume. Really? Yeah.
0: You don't belong to enough secret societies.
1: We could just paint your face.
0: You definitely don't belong to enough secret societies if you think that's an option.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm okay with that. (laughs) Living my life, mask-free, only see them in museums. Doing okay with that.
0: But overall, like, you really, this is such a great, I think, coming-of-age story for Tendai, and where they go from this sort of, these naive kids to... Really, they have lived way <laughs> so yeah. much through the course of this book.
1: I mean, they just, they're so naive. Like, it's not really their fault. They no, not really at all. are never let out. Like, they don't go to school, they don't interact with other children. They
0: do all They've of sort of their been... scout work, like, around the grounds of their house, and they do all their schooling and everything, like, basically online. Yeah. I feel like the amount of things that they conquer in this book, because often, Like, the amount of things that they... The challenge they face. Because, basically, I feel like you could have had a book like this and they would have maybe gone through, you know, the She-Elephant and, like, one more thing and that would have been it and that would have made sense as a framework for a book. The fact that, like, they kept overcoming these challenges again and again and kept being kidnapped again and again, I think really... You see such long development for Tenda, I think, throughout the book that I think is really just, like, it's delightful. Like, he's such a good main character.
1: You also see a lot of development where it's, like, the other people are not seen as villains in the same way the masks are. Mm-hmm. Like, you see why the she-elephant is the way she is, and you see, like, that you can reach out to her and, like, yeah, she's made mistakes, and she's done some bad things, and it's not saying just to let those go, but it is saying that she's still, like... She's a human and you can be empathetic to what she's gone through and like be compassionate and try and like get into that. And same with even the mellower's mom. You're like, girl, you're crazy and I do not like you. But you're also not the pure evil that they're like. There's shades of the other lesser villains in this book.
0: Yeah, because you often see in cases here where even when they're trying to sort of extort money or get something from it, like even then they're they're not trying to sell these kids to the mass necessarily like there's a lot of like lines that people set for themselves of well i will ransom you but i'm not going to sell you to these human people that will sacrifice you there's a lot of people i think drawing their own lines and you see also that you know they're struggling and the reason they are holding them for ransom is these kids are a chance for them to gain financial freedom and gain financial powers that they don't have access to i mean you see the she elephant living in what was considered a toxic waste dump it's you see a lot of sort of the way pain drives people to sort of these extremes in a way that they're not excused by the text but their empathy is created for why they're making their choices which is you know exactly kind of I think what you want to have in these kind of books
1: I mean I think even especially saying like not like a sheltered kid but like it was such a good world for me to be exposed to as a kid Really seeing these things and hearing them in a way that made me understand them as a child. Mm-hmm. This is the quote of the thing I was talking about earlier when they are kicked out of Rest Haven. You don't know what a serious mistake Rita made. In the city, we think killing babies is a mistake, Tendai said. In the city, they kill babies all the time with poverty and crime. You're so stupid. You haven't been here for two weeks and already you dare to judge us. Resthaven Haven is a living culture. You can't pick out the bits you like and throw away the rest. It all works together. And I was like, it's just one paragraph and stuff, but it made such a good point because Mm -hmm. you go through that chapter being like, yeah, I'm definitely on Rita and Tendai's side. Like, this is, some of the things they do are barbaric and like, I don't want them being sexist to girls, you know, that's something I fight and stuff. That's not the point of this particular thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, she's right. You can't pick out the things because the reason that this exists is for history, you know, it's to hold on to this. So it's bigger than those things. So yeah, I think this book is good. I think it's one of, I think it's crazy because it's an example of a lot of times books about the future written in the past kind of don't hold up well, but I think this does. I think it's not, most of the inventions aren't that crazy. A lot of the world is a world we would recognize. They've just like, they've added flying cars
0: and like. I mean, it was published in 94. Stuff. So I think because it was, like, technically post-internet, like, 94 is sort of one that's just in its infancy that, I mean, it does make sense the directions where they went with the technology, like, do make sense.
1: Yeah. I also think it doesn't go too out of line. Like, a lot of times you get to, like, futures that aren't too far in the future that people go, like, really big, Mm -hmm. where it's like, everything will be crazy, and it's like, no, this is a world you can move in, and, like, sometimes you'd probably make mistakes with the technology, but, like... I think I could be thrown into it and like learn and keep going and things would be fine. Yeah. I want to talk about the covers. That oh my goodness. Talk about the covers. This cover of my library book is like the updated one and it is like adequate. It makes the book look a lot darker than it is, I think, and that is like fun. It so why
0: don't you say it's, what it looks um, like rather than like well, let's <laughs> include some descriptions into our word our word, no. word mediums. <laughs> <laughs> into our audio medium.
1: It says the eye, the ear, and the arm in like a slash, a diagonal slash. And then, like, the top is the silhouette in red of three kids running. And then the bottom, kind of mirrored and upside down, is the silhouettes in green of the three detectives running. And, you know, one of them has in their silhouette, what looks like goggles on. And one has big ears and one has crazy limbs. It's fine. It's kind of boring, I think.
0: It's a very modern remake of like, ah, oh, yes, look, bright colors, but in like a very respectable way yeah. and silhouettes. Who loves silhouettes? Everyone loves silhouettes.
1: Yeah.
0: I have a slightly older hardback book, which just has the the three the ear, the eye, and the arm, like basically a drawing of them with the title sort of wrapping around the edge of the book. It's fine.
1: Your style is actually makes it look older than it is. Yeah. Like it looks very, My style like, looks 70s. 70s. Yeah.
0: Like, I was shocked seeing it was 94 when I saw this because I was expecting a weird modern-y cover.
1: Yeah. Um. So the cover that I had growing up, which I think is the best cover, is the cover that's actually on the Wikipedia picture. And it's crazy. It's, like, purple and goldenrod yellow. You know, 90s colors. Yes, the correct, yes. <laughs> and it has, like... The three detectives wearing, like, crazy clothes. Like, one of them has a cape on, I think. And, like, they all have, like, neon colors and the eye has his goggles. And the blue monkey is on the cover.
0: Which is wild because the blue monkey is in a very small portion of the book.
1: I know, but he makes such an impact. He's a (sighs) blue monkey.
0: Yeah, and he's um, kind of a dick, which I admit checks out for a blue monkey.
1: There's so much going on on this cover that, as a kid, my eyes wouldn't take it all in, and I'd scan over it. And it took me a long time to realize it was a scene from the book,
0: which is also very '90s. Just
1: like an explosion of co- like of color at your <laughs> face. Like, the monkey is very blue. It's not like a little blue. It's like like neon blue. <laughs> um, it's even brighter in real life than the <laughs> picture. And there's, like, for some reason, like, curtains around and stuff. I don't know. It's crazy. There's just, like, every inch of this book is covered in something. That is the best color cover. That is the correct cover to own. <laughs> look it up. It's great. This library cover just makes me sad because it's, like, it's fine. I think it's trying to look, if I had to guess, I guess she's written a book more recently that's pretty popular. Oh. Um. And I think it's trying to, like, really play that up and look like that. And that book is about... I think like the drug smuggling industry also for kids. This is- <laughs> <laughs> My nephew has read it. Um, so I I'm think. am glad it's- you have
0: a nephew to inform you of modern YA <laughs> <Yeah>. like activities. <laughs> yeah. That's good.
1: He really liked it. I haven't read it yet. Okay. Um-
0: <laughs> will, will the book get left around the house so you can read it?
1: Well, maybe if I'm at his house. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, is there anything else that we want to cover in terms of quotes? Do you have anything?
1: I mean, I just want to quote the whole book. I was trying to go through, and, like, a lot of the quotes I did were just, like, quotes where they explain things, and it's, like, I don't have time to go through every single concept and interesting thing they bring up in here about this world. I think, like, you would be better served if you just read it yourself than have me try to explain it to you.
0: I think that was what I was struggling with, too. I was like, oh, I'm going to find some quotes for us to read, and then, yeah, so much of it is really a part of the whole it it is so much part unto itself that you can't really just pull a cool fun paragraph out and be like I'll read this so yeah I would say the quote from the book to read is the called the entire book
1: yeah go read it it's so good guys
0: it's very very good I'm like I'm sad I didn't read this as a kid because I think there's a lot of things I would have enjoyed about it but I'm also really glad I did read this for the first time as an adult because it was it was really exciting to get that sort of really exciting sense of wonder when you're reading like a really just good book. And, you know, sometimes when you're reading, you know, books from when you're a kid, you don't get that because you already know what's going to happen. But in this case, I got to have that like first read experience that was, you know, it was nice to go through and know all like to just experience these all these layers of everything. So I don't know. I had a delightful reading experience ratings ratings let's
1: rate this thing so i'm gonna give this an 8.5 which i know almost seems low after i've been raving about it but i did like it uh i'm giving it a little bit what i would taking off a little bit because it doesn't have as much rereadability for me like it's one of those books so you can reread every couple of years more than like rereading like finishing it and being like going back to the beginning and starting over and that is just my opinion
0: are you letting fourth grade Emily, whose review maybe didn't use the word love, influence you?
1: Fourth grade Emily is still me. <laughs> I mean, an 8.5 is still good. I really did like it. I also, there's like a couple of things. Like, this is a rich world, and for the most part, I did really love it. But, like, things like that baby plot line, like, I forgot for a reason. Yeah. It's because I don't love it. Like,
0: the baby plot line was, yeah.
1: You know, and because, like, it is so good and so rich, but again, maybe. Yeah, it's not something I like. I think this is the kind of book I definitely will reread every couple of years for the rest of my life. But maybe not necessarily like a comfort food I would go to. Mm-hmm. Which is tends to be my two highest ones. Okay. Nines and tens. That's so fair. yeah, 8.5. That's good. This is a great book. Everyone should read it. Give it to a kid you know. Read it yourself. Send me more recs for things like this. <laughs>
0: Uh, I think I will also give it an 8.5 for similar reasons. I was definitely sort of pondering that 8 versus 9, and I think just splitting down the middle is the way to go. Um, Yeah, I agree. rereadability is something I haven't done yet with it, but I could definitely see that being complicated with this. Like, when you sort of know how everything shakes out, it definitely, I think, might be a different experience. Um, And yeah, while I really loved it and loved the characters... I feel like it could have even gotten more into the siblings. I feel like I didn't get as much into them and their relationship with their brother as I wanted because there was so much happening. I think sometimes like the amount of plot you, we lost a little bit in sort of the character interior that I wanted because I'm super, super, super into characterization just because that's who I am. Um, So yeah, I loved it. I just like, yeah, I think 8.5. I think it's a really good book. I would recommend it to anyone and everyone. Give it to children. Read it yourself. Read it yourself and then give it to children. But
1: yeah. And not for nothing, I always want more ladies in my books. So I also feel like, and don't get me wrong, the women who were in this book were amazing and complicated and complex and very interesting characters. But like, I wouldn't have minded if one of the detectives was a girl (laughs) or like, we heard a little more from Rita. Yeah. So.
0: So everyone, go read this book. We, we've informed you of your. We've informed you of what you have to do this weekend. So if you're looking for something to read, go pick up the Ear, the Eye, and the Arm, and try to get them all in the right order. Because I keep almost putting them in the wrong order.
1: I definitely do that a lot.
0: <laughs> well, and thank you all for joining us yet again. If you want to get in touch with us, how can you do that? I am on Twitter at ThrowbackBSPod. Um, if it's if you have any recommendations for books like this, I will like. Carve them onto wood and, like, leave them on Emily's porch so she might read them. I don't have Twitter. (laughs) Attach a message to a carrier pigeon. Send a telegram.
1: I don't talk to pigeons. Telegram would be good. Okay,
0: I'll send you a telegram. So if you have recommendations for books like this, please send them our way. We want more things like this in our life. Um, if you want to email us, that's another way to get us information. Again, to me, (laughs) throw throwbackbookstack at gmail.com. At least this way I could forward you emails.
1: hmm Yeah. I know how to read. <laughs> I hope so.
0: We're doing a book podcast.
1: <laughs> Say, forward me the like, I don't know, take a screenshot of a tweet. Look, I'm just not on Twitter and I'm not interested in being on Twitter.
0: (laughs) It's not going to happen. If you got this far and liked our podcast, uh, please review us on iTunes. That would be really neat. I am always so sad in my life and full of anxiety. And it would be really nice to read nice things. So if you want to say nice things, that'd be amazing. If you don't want to say nice things, don't go to iTunes.
1: If you don't want to say nice things, stop listening. (laughs) Go away. (laughs) Do something else with your anger. Be more constructive with it. But if you like us,
0: we love you. Um, and actually, I've had so many nice people talk to me on Twitter lately. Uh, we do have a couple buffers of a ep- couple episodes, so like this will be coming out probably a little bit later after these conversations happen. But thank you to everyone for being so nice lately. Everyone's been really great. Um, I want to give a shout out to our number one fan, Holly, who wrote the world's nicest email to us. And we got an email, and it was amazing, and it made our day. And I sent it to Emily, and she read it and everything. It was really great.
1: It was so lovely. I didn't know anyone listened. <laughs>
0: I also don't let Emily see the statistics for the podcast. So she lives in this beautiful world where she shows up, records with me, and then disappears. And it's really lovely. I'm not sure she's not a ghost that's been living here for 50 years. Like, I haven't seen evidence.
1: I've never <laughs> said either way.
0: <laughs> um, I also want to say we also, after um, the My Side of the Mountain episodes, I got some really great recommendations of things to read. Um, so everyone that heard my plea about girls running away, Thank you. Uh, Jay, who emailed us the suggestion of Julia of the Wolves, you are super the best and right on. Um, I am
1: not into these suggestions. (laughs) I guess that's my punishment for not being on Twitter.
0: Uh, I had a couple people suggest Island of the Blue Dolphins, which I'm also super excited about.
1: I'm less excited.
0: (sighs) This battle will continue. Uh, I also want to say thanks to at Chex926 on Twitter. Laura, you're super great. Uh, Thank you for listening and being super nice about how much you're enjoying the podcast thanks to everyone just thanks everyone you're all super great so i hope you join us back in here in two weeks we will be reading everyone's favorite mouse story mrs frisbee and the rats of nim uh our music this week is heartbreaker by jazar betterwithmusic.com think that's everything so hey everyone thanks for joining us and we will see you all again in two weeks bye bye